Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand. I'm Pastor Joe Faldet from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church. This sermon was recorded for our Palm Sunday service in 2020 during the COVID crisis. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Judges 6, verses 25 through 27. And I read in Jesus' name, Judges 6, verses 25 through 27. That night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on, on the top of the stronghold there, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull, and offer it as a burnt offering, with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family, and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, pray that you would bless us, bless this time. Lord, that you would be glorified through this, this study, this sermon. Lord, and that you would use it to change us and indeed to make us more like Christ. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we, as we get started here, we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Judges, looking at Gideon and... Um, what God is calling Gideon to. And as if you want to know more about this, you can look at some of the previous sermons that I've had. And so I, I would encourage you to do that um, and just see more about the life of Gideon because there's a lot of stuff going on with this story. There's a lot, of, there's a lot in it. And as we get going now, uh, the first thing I want to look at and interpret and apply is Baal and Asheroth. What, what is God calling Gideon to do? He's calling Gideon to tear down the altar to Baal and Asheroth. Um, Yeah, right there in verse 25. Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. Now, Baal was a storm god and Asherah was a fertility goddess. And Baal was the male god and Asherah was the female god. She was his consort. And so you'd, you'd... tie them together and theoretically you'd have a a complete system of worship for the Israelites. You'd have, because the Israelites, they needed rain. They they didn't have a Nile like the Egyptians did. You know, the Egyptians, they would just water their crops uh, using irrigation. But the Israelites didn't have that privilege because they didn't have this major river running through the highlands. And so they needed rain. And so they prayed to Baal and they worshiped Baal thinking that worshiping a Baal would bring them rain, would bring them storms, would bring them good weather for their crops. And then they worshiped Ashtaroth because they thought that Ashtaroth then, when Baal came, Ashtaroth would come after. And that she was the one that brought fertility. She is the one that made the seeds grow. They thought that she was the one that made the, um, the sheep become pregnant and the cows become pregnant. They thought that she was the one that brought fertility. She was a fertility goddess. And so when these altars were made, there was always an altar to Baal. And then there was an Asherah pole that was carved. It was a piece of carved wood, large piece of carved wood. Uh, and usually it was a, a, well, there's different forms of it, so I don't know usually. But there was, that was there. And so God is calling Gideon to tear that down. Because the people in Israel had been trusting Baal and Asherah to bring them prosperity. The problem is, Baal and Ashtoreth didn't bring them prosperity. 
Uh, and indeed, Baal and Ashtaroth didn't protect them at all. Because when the Midianites came through, what did the Midianites do? They ate everything. And they took whatever they could get their hands on. That's why we see Gideon, you know, threshing wheat in a wine press, which would be a terrible idea, difficult. Why? Because he was trying to hide it from the Midianites. Because they took and they, they consumed everything. They came through with all of their herds and they came through with their, their people and, and they took and they ate. And it's interesting that God sent them, sent the nomadic people to come and tear them down. To bring them very low at a time such as this. Because God hit them right where Baal and Ashtaroth were supposed to be providing. And so Israelites thought that Baal and Ashtaroth brought them prosperity. But indeed it wasn't. Baal and Ashtaroth. And you know, when things are good, you can worship almost anything. But when things are bad, then you really see what functions and what doesn't. Who works and who doesn't. The worship of Baal and Ashtaroth did them no good for the Midianites. Because when the Midianites came through, Baal and Ashtaroth didn't protect them. Baal and Ashtaroth didn't kick them out. Baal and Ashtaroth didn't help them. Baal and Ashtaroth had nothing. They could bring nothing to the table because indeed they were nothing. Figments of Israelite imagination, Canaanite imagination. Baal and Ashtaroth were powerless against the Midianites. Baal and Ashtaroth really weren't gods. And since they weren't gods, they didn't bring prosperity. They didn't have that power. They didn't have that capability. They weren't able So God says to Gideon, tear down their altars. Pull them down. Cut them down. What's he saying? Repent. Repent of making them gods. Because indeed, were storms good? Yeah, weather was good. It was good to have rain. Is fertility good? Yeah, fertility is good. But those things are gifts. Those things are gifts from God. Now, what are we to do with that? Well, the question is, what are you trusting in to bring prosperity? What are you trusting in when things are good? Do we trust in our government? Do we trust in our medical establishment? Do we trust in our jobs? Do we trust in our savings accounts? Do we trust in the stock market? What do we trust in? Or do we trust in God? If I put the government at top and put God second to the government. I'm going to trust in the government before I trust in God. What's God calling me to do now? The infighting within our government. What are we called to do? Called to repent. I can't trust the government. I can't trust my job. I can't trust my savings account. I can't trust the stock market. You can't even trust the medical establishment nowadays. These things aren't gods. These things are run by people. And no matter how many people you put together, you don't get a god. We can't trust these things. We can't rely on these things. We can't hope in these things. We need to trust God. And at a time such as this, at a time of crisis, this is a time to check our hearts. What have I been trusting in? Where do we feel so disappointed? Where do we feel that, you know, what has failed What has failed us? 
Can we trust in the goodness of humanity or the wisdom of people? No. Can't trust in these things. Can't trust in our culture. We need to tear these altars down in our own hearts. That doesn't mean to destroy the medical establishment. We shouldn't start bombing hospitals. It doesn't mean that we need to tear down our government, start a revolution. No, it means that within my heart, I need to put the government where it belongs and that's under God. I need to put the medical establishment where it belongs and that's under God. I need to put my culture where it belongs and that's under God. God needs to be top. All of these things come second. Storms, fertility, they need to be under God. They don't deserve altars. They don't deserve to be worshipped. They're not gods. They're gifts from God. Our government, it's a gift from God. It's not meant to be worshipped. Our medical establishment, it's a gift from God. It's not meant to be trusted in. Our jobs, they're gifts from God. They're not meant to be relied upon. We're called to rely on God. First, foremost, and alone. And we use these things and we take these other things that God has given us. We say, thank you, God, for giving them to us. We praise you, God, for giving them to us. And then God says, after you've torn those things down in your heart, after you've torn those things down, build an altar to me. Build an altar. Have it laid properly. That's what God says. With stones laid in due order. Now why does he say that? It's Because I don't have the right to worship God however I want. He's God. I'm not. I don't get to dictate the terms of this relationship. He does. He does. God says you do things my way. How does God want us to do things? As Christians, how does God want us to do things? In Jesus' name. Trusting in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, that we trust in Jesus. And so we don't take these things upon ourselves. We don't do these things in and of ourselves. I don't come to God in my name. I don't come to God in my good works. I don't come to God in my righteousness. I don't come to God in my lack of sin. I come to God in Jesus' name. I come to God because of Christ's righteousness. I come to God because of the forgiveness that he offers me. I come to God because Jesus has commanded me and Jesus has promised me that when I come to God trusting Jesus, relying on Jesus, that God hears me. That's my promise. I can trust God to fulfill his promise. I can rely on God to fulfill that promise. So when God commanded Gideon, Gideon, make an altar to me, but do it the way that I've commanded you. So also God's saying to us, worship me. You have to do it in Jesus' name. You have to do it trusting in Jesus. God, and so as I look at this second and third point, we're actually going to be looking at one word. And that, that word is translated in two ways. In the English Standard Version, it says, 
And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there with stones laid in due order. That word can also be translated high place. And a high place was a hill. And why would God want his altar on a hill? Because above everything else was his rightful place. On top of the hill was his rightful place. God deserves to be above everything else. God deserves to be seen, to be trusted in, to be relied upon above everything else. That's God's rightful place. And so as God commands us to worship him as he commands, it's him saying, I am above you. You are called to submit to me. My rightful place is at top. My rightful place is at top. I am to be above everything else. That's my rightful place. Like, well, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of arrogant of you, God. It's like, oh, it's only arrogant if it's not true. The reality is he is God. He is God. He's the one that dictates the terms. He's the one that understands. He's the one that knows. We are the ones that are called to submit and to surrender. Because he is God and he is above all. Like the top of this hill would be above everything around it. That's why they picked that place. So also God is above everything else. And then as God is above everything else, is that hill. Can you imagine that? This hill above everything else. Now, Israel is a very hilly place. It's really mountainous in the middle area. And in this area, it's a very hilly place. It's, and so you've got ups and you've got downs. But this high place would have been above everything else. This high place would have been a, a place that you can always see, you could always look to. And so if, even if you're down in a valley, you would know where you were because you'd have that high place. And God says, I want my altar to be at that high place. I want my altar to be at that place that's above everything else. Why? Because I want you to always be able to know where you're at by looking to me. You know, nowadays we use GPS. In the old days, they used to use the North Star. Why'd they use the North Star? Like, why'd they use Polaris? Because it was above everything else. It never moved. And so they would always know, the sailors would always know where they were in the world based upon the time of day and the position of the stars. So they could always look to Polaris and they would always know that's north. And so that's what God wants to be in our lives. He wants his altar to be built at the highest place because he wants us to be able to align our lives with him. To know where we are based upon who he is and where he is. I might be down, but he's still up. I might be on a hill, but he's still higher. I know where I'm at because of where he is. And I can align myself with him. He's always above me. He's always there to be looked to. He's always there to, that I can always be reminded that God is there. There for worship and there for reliance. So I align my life with him. Looking up to him. He says, build my altar at the top of that high place. 
That's my rightful place above everything else so that you then can align every aspect of your life up with him. No matter where you are, up, down, left, right, you can align yourself up with God, trusting God, looking to God. Thirdly, this word high place, like I said, can also be translated stronghold. So build my altar in the midst of the stronghold. Because this hill, not only was this hill higher than every other hill, because you always wanted the high ground when you're making a stronghold, but it was defensible. Why would God want his altar in the middle of a defensible place? Well, why would the Israelites need a defensible place? Because trouble is sure to come. And you know, that's the reality at this day and age, and that's the reality today. Trouble is sure to come. Indeed, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this during the coronavirus crisis, trouble is here. Trouble is here. I'm not even just talking about the virus, but I'm talking about the temptations that come with the virus. Satan's desire to use that virus to make us be terrified, to make us fear. Satan's using this fear of this virus He's increasing domestic violence. I hear that people are afraid that suicide rates are going to go up. What is that? That's Satan working. That's Satan attacking. Troubles will come. Economic downturn, troubles will come. Political infighting, troubles will come. You need a refuge. Troubles will come. This is church militant. We shouldn't be like, oh no, I never thought hardships would come. It's like, this is church militant. This isn't heaven. We haven't created heaven. Is this the end times? I don't know, maybe. Troubles will come in this world. We know that. We are promised that. We are told that. Troubles will come. So God says, when troubles come, I need to be the center of your refuge. I need to be the center of what you trust in. I need to be the center of where you go. Because at times like this, can you trust our government? You know, I I read on Twitter, some of these people who are losing faith in the government, they rejoice. Why? Because the government isn't reliable. It's a group of people. It's people. People aren't reliable. They're sinful. You can't trust their governments. You need to trust God. And the interesting thing about God being in the center of our refuge, that he is the the one upon which our refuge turns. I don't have to trust my government, but I can trust God to be able to use my government. I can trust God to be able to work in my government. I can trust God to be able to work in the judiciary. I can trust God. I can call upon God to use the medical establishment. God, I pray that you would bless the doctors and that you would use them. I don't need to trust hydroxychloroquine. I can say, God, if you have given that to us, thank you. If you have given us medicine against this, thank you. Because that medicine, apart from the working of God, is powerless. 
Because God's the one that gave it to us. God's the one that created it. God's the one that empowers it. God is the one. This whole world is upheld by the word of his power, we're told in the book of Colossians. And so if anything works, we should praise God. And when things aren't working the way we think they should, we should cry out to God. Because he is the one to be the center of our refuge. When our walls work, we should praise God. When the enemy doesn't come in, we should praise God. When the enemy's at our gates, we should cry out to God. And look to God. And trust in God. As being the one who empowers the walls. As being the one who watches over us. So God says, I want to be the center of your stronghold. And that's what he's calling us to today. That's what he wants of us. He wants to be the center of our stronghold. He wants to be the one ultimately in whom we take refuge. This doesn't mean we don't go to doctors. This doesn't mean that we don't praise God for our government. This means that we trust God to be using these things in our lives. This means that we trust God to be using these things in our culture. We don't trust American culture. We trust God to be able to use American culture and American ingenuity. We trust God to use human nature. We trust God to use these things. We don't trust in them. We can't trust in them. But we can trust in God. To rely upon Him. Expect trouble. And cry out to the Lord. Because the Lord is trustworthy. And the center of our worship is trust. Sacrifice everything else to trust God. To rely upon God. That's the center of our worship. To trust Him. To look to Him. To to study His Word. What a great time to study His Word. To be reading our Bibles and to be putting these truths into practice in our own lives. What a great time to be doing that. That our faith in Him might grow. That as God works through the government, we don't say, wow, we've got such a great government, we should give them more power, more authority. That as as God works through our medical establishment, we say, hey, great, I don't have to worry about my body because doctors will fix me. No. We trust in God. We say, God, thank you that you can use even these. You can use even doctors and nurses and emergency rooms and intensive care units. You can use ventilators and you can use masks. Lord, I'm going to use these things, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to use these things, but I'm not going to rely upon them. I'm going to look to you. And when things don't go go our way, they don't go according to what we want. God says, do you still call upon me? Trust me. Because God's ultimate goal isn't to make us, make our lives easy. Or without waves. Without storms. God's goal is to show us through those waves, through those storms, that he is unchanging, that he is unmoving, and that his promises always are valid. That he is reliable above everything else. So if you're facing economic trials, cry out to God. If you're facing medical difficulties, cry out to God. If you're facing emotional struggles, cry out to God. 
You're facing fear, turmoil, disgust at the way that things are working, disappointment. Look to God and walk in the way that God would have you. Submit your life to him. So we can't stand outside of the walls and expect God to protect us there. We take these things that God has given us. We use them. But we still keep God as the center of our stronghold. We keep God as the center. We rely upon Him to use social distancing and masks. Can these things do anything in and of themselves? No, but God can use them. And if we get sick, Trust that God will bring us through. And if we die, trust that Jesus already died for us. And that he went ahead of us to prepare a home for us. Because what's the worst that this coronavirus can do to us? Kill us? So what? Then we've got heaven. Do you know that? You're looking forward to glory? You trust in Jesus with your eternity? If this kills you, where will you go? Washington can't protect you then. Not even Mayo. Jesus can protect you from hell. Ask him to be your Lord. Surrender your life to him. Submit yourself to him. Trust in him. Rely upon him. He is promised. He is God. Align your life with him. Amen. Father, during this time of crisis, we thank you. We thank you that we can trust you. Lord, as we've seen governments lie, change their opinions, change their views. As we've seen medical establishments fold and fail. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. As we've seen people get sick and die. We thank you that you promise us that in Christ we are protected even from that. Lord, as we look to you and ask that you would bless us. Lord, that you would bless our government that you would bless our medical establishment. Lord, that you would bless our lives. You'd bless our finances. Lord, that you would provide for us however you see fit to provide for us. Lord, and we submit ourselves to you and give you thanks for you are God. Bless us. Protect us. Direct us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If this has been a blessing to you, I encourage you to share it with others and bless them as well. You can share it on any social media you enjoy, whether that be Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. May God bless you.